Welcome to this week's Progress with Unity podcast, and we have special guests once again. But first and foremost, I'm joined by Barry and Adam. Gents, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks. Yeah, not bad, Si. Yourself? Not too bad, thank you. And we're delighted to be joined by two Latics defenders. First of all, we've got Academy graduate Luke Robinson. Luke, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you. Good stuff. And we've also been blessed with, what well, I say, another defender in on loan from Feyenoord, um, George Johnston. George, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Not bad, thanks. Right, before we get going this evening, I'm just going to hand over to Barry for a little bit of something special. Thank you, Si. I'd like to announce that tomorrow, the 25th of March, lifelong Latics fan Billy Wiggins will be celebrating his 80th birthday. So I'd like to wish Billy a fabulous day. I know you've not been too well, but I hope you have a cracking day tomorrow. Happy birthday. And I hope Andy looks after you well. Make sure he gets you a drink in from me at the same time. From me, Barry Worthington, to Billy, happy 80th. Hi, Billy. It's uh, George Johnston here. Just uh, want to wish you a happy birthday and I hope you have a, a really good day tomorrow. All the best. Hi, Billy. It's Luke Robinson here. I'd like to also wish you a very happy birthday and hope you get well soon. All the best. And that goes for the rest of us from the podcast as well. Billy, happy birthday and we're sending you best wishes. Right then, Luke and George, we're going to turn the attention to yourselves first. Um, and we'll start off, we, we always review the, the previous game. I don't think we need to go into it too much detail, do we? Uh, Saturday's trip to Accrington. What was the feeling coming off the pitch at full-time, um, suffering a 3-1 defeat after going ahead in a matter of seconds? Me and George and obviously the team basically disappointed. Mainly because the type of games you get against Accrington are the ones that you get you prepare for, like your whole life in terms of it's you know it's never going to be a football game it's always going to be a more of a battle and as a defender George will probably agree they're the games you want to win the most you don't want to ever lose a game it's got to be a battle you always want to win win all your individual battles across the pitch and unfortunately we weren't able to do that Saturday so yeah especially after going ahead in the game so early it was quite a surprise to come off not getting the result we wanted, to be honest, yeah. And George, you got anything you'd like to add on that? Yeah, I think um, the main feeling overall was that of frustration, um, going ahead so sooner than than them equalising so soon after. It was kind of like a bit shell-shocked, like what's just happened in the first two minutes there? And that's when you've got to regroup. And then when you score like pretty much identical goal again, but from the other side, then... It's just really frustrating. I don't think um, their goals uh, they had to work too hard for. It was mainly our, our defensive errors, and that's what that's what hurts us most. Is that something that Liam and Gregor have had you working on this week then in training, sorting out what went on? Because like you say, two identical goals just from either side of the pitch. Yeah, well, we're not necessarily working on it, but we know we know we've got to do better in them them situations, and we're obviously going to work hard to put them right and make sure it doesn't happen again. Because conceding from a set piece is one of the most annoying things for, for a defender because you feel the opposition haven't had to work too hard, split you open, play nice passage through you. They've just had to cross the ball in the box and head it in. So, yeah, it's really frustrating and we're just going to work hard to put it right. That's fantastic. And like you say, I mean, we, we go again Saturday, don't we? We can 
kind of sort sort things out, and that result will be forgotten about if we get the three points at uh, at the weekend. So we'll we'll, we'll uh, conclude that for Accrington. I don't think we need to delve too deeper into that. Uh, Barry, I'll come to you for, uh, firstly for for questions for the lads. Right. Uh, the first thing I want to uh, pick uh, the mind of is is George. I want to. That tackle against DJ at Wimbledon, what a, what a tackle that was! Do you know which one I mean, Daniel Johnson? Yeah. That's that yeah. epitomised the spirit in our club, the fighting spirit. I think every Wigan Athletic supporter stood up when you made that challenge, applauding. Yeah. What was it like? Yeah, well, maybe if I had an attack in mind, then I would have tried to nick the ball and get the foul. But me, as a defensive-minded player, I just wanted to, you know, go into the tackle as strong as possible and you know win the ball fairly whilst doing so. Yeah, it's a good job you didn't get there a couple of seconds later. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, th- I thought it was a fantastic, full, full meaty, old-fashioned midfield uh, man's tackle. It was brilliant. Uh, it was really yeah. a brilliant tackle. Thank you, Luke. You're talking a different player to Tom Pierce that you've, you know, you've replaced because of his injury. Have, have you found it breaking into the first team? Obviously, people have their own views of what they think it'll be like breaking into a first team, like overriding joy, like nerves, excitement, whatever. I, I was obviously nervous. It was different for me because I was involved with it for about three months without actually playing a game. So I'd seen everyone come in and out of the team. So I kind of knew what to expect when I got my chance. And I managed to keep myself fit all season and just wait for my chance. And then when I got it, I took it. And I think I've took it well. And I've took it in like a sense that I haven't had any, any like regrets. So... Everything I've done, I've meant to do. And um, yeah, it is it is hard coming in. Obviously, when you've got players who are older than you, and you look up to them, you, you don't want to try, you don't want to make any mistakes. So when you come in, you just gotta you've got to get your head down, really, and obviously keep grounded. You've yeah. not looked, you've not looked out of place at all, uh, and you've taken to it like a duck to water. Your first game, you came on a sub, didn't you? In, in your first appearance, and yeah. But like I say, you you know you, you've taken to it really well, and I think everybody's been just absolutely delighted to see you. You know, take that chance coming through. The, everybody loves people coming through the youth team, and this season we've been blessed with it. It's brilliant. Yeah, I that. yeah, it's always good to get as many academy graduates as you can through, and we've had a lot this season, which has been very good for the club. Adam, I'll pass over to you now. Yeah, thanks, Sai. Um, obviously, cheers, George and Luke, for coming on the podcast uh, this evening. Uh, so first question uh, to uh, to George. Uh, obviously, you've played a couple of games in the um, midfield recently. Obviously, Barry was just alluding to that uh, excellent tackle in there. Do, do you see that maybe in the future as a uh, position for you? Because there are obviously other examples of players that have started in a more defensive position and then have moved moved into the midfield. So do you see maybe moving forward that that could be a position that you're, you're comfortable in? Yeah, well... Um, I enjoyed playing midfield. I mean, MK Dons was the first time I played there, but it's a lot different to um, to centre off. But I'm learning every time I played there. I've learned something different to take away each match uh, going into the future. I don't know why I like centre off because all of the plays in front of me, and I like I like it mainly in front of me. But it's uh, it's good for myself to just to educate myself on new positions and make um, myself more versatile. Cheers, George. Luke, just sort of left back's been a position at Latics over the years that we've we've really done well with. Um, you know, you can you can go back as long as you want, but let's start with like the likes of Leighton Burns, Mainoff, Mainoff Figueroa. 
obviously more recently Anthony Robinson and, and Tom Pierce. Um, so obviously uh, you're another added quality player to uh, to that list as we've seen in the the early days. Just wondering in terms of uh, is, first of all, is that has that always been your position? And if it is, what what left backs would you kind of look up to and model your game on? who are either currently playing or have recently retired? When I was younger, I was always, when I, whenever you used to play like seven aside, eight aside, I was always like a left defender, whether that was centre-back or left-back. And then I have played in midfield, like with Georgia being, I've, been play, I've played centre-midfield for a couple of years as well. When I came to Wigan, I played left-back and centre-midfield, but then I had to realise that I had to, See where think about where I see myself in the future, and that was at left back. So I just tried to work on the ins and outs of left back and just try and make that my position. And yeah, big shoes to fill the left backs that we've had. We've had a lot of good left backs, and I know it's quite generic, but I look at Andrew Robinson, who plays for Liverpool, and he's been one like the best left back for the last few years now in the world. Just the way he plays, the way he like prides himself on defending, that's kind of what I do. Um, obviously, modern day fullbacks need to be able to attack and defend, but I think you're mainly in the team to defend first and foremost, and that's what I pride myself on: defending, making sure that no one can get like no one will get past me, and if they do, then obviously that hurts. You know what I mean? And then obviously, once you've got that covered then you can focus on your attacking your attacking side because that's some would say is equally important um especially in the modern day when you when you're playing against teams who you're on top against you're seen as an attacker in the side but yeah um I do try and work on both but predominantly defending is my first mindset yeah Cheers, Luke. so I'm I'm gonna uh, put Luke on the spot now to begin with and just ask who is the guy to look out for coming through through the ranks now? It's, it's going to be difficult because it's going to be people that you have played alongside. Um, but who would you say now Latics fans need to be on the on the lookout for coming through? In the team now? In, in the academy. Uh, who, who's going to be the next big, uh, the next Luke Robinson? Luke <laughs> Robinson. Um, I'd say, I was going to say Tello, but he's, he's, made his, he's made his mark already. I've always think thought Tello was a, He's just a different player. He's he's just he's like a magician. It's crazy some of the things that he does. But if I had to say one player, young player, I'd probably say Sean McGurk, who's been obviously everyone knows how good he's been in the last two years for the under 18s. Um obviously we don't know if he's gonna get a chance, but it'd be good for me to, to see him have a chance because I've played with him. And he's he's such a he is a special player. To be fair, he's so good on the ball. When you watch him in training, he makes things happen. I'd love to see him break it break into the first team. Yeah, I would. Yeah, it's interesting that because I think quite a few of your your colleagues have actually said Sean McGurk, and we've we've watched him a number of times um, at academy games. You know, he does stand out, doesn't he? Playing above his years a lot of times as well. Uh, George, I'm going to come to you now. Obviously, on loan from Feyenoord. From from Liverpool Academy originally, aren't you? And then over yeah. to Feyenoord. How important for your career was this move to Wigan? Where do you see yourself going after this loan spell? Uh, yeah, well, a move to Wigan was exactly what I needed. I needed um, just a good good run of games, um, playing men's football week in, week out, sometimes twice a week. 
um just to just to improve myself and educate myself you know gain that experience that that are much needed i mean it was a good experience over at Feyenoord but it was in a different way that um that experience was being around a world-class first team environment every day but not necessarily then playing at the weekend whereas here i needed to to come and play and get my games and that's what i'm getting at the moment hopefully i'll get many more um in the next 10 games but yeah um Next season, I don't know. I don't know yet. Um, hopefully, I can just do as well as I can in these next 10 games and then see what happens in the summer. So, I'm right, Barry. I'll come back round to yourself. Barry, just before you come in, George, uh, I was just wondering how did the, the move to, to Feyenoord come about? Obviously, you've been at Liverpool for like a really long time in your career, haven't you? You've been in there like sort of 10, 12, I think it was 10, 12 years or something like that, if not a bit longer. And then you obviously moved out to Feyenoord. How did that come about? And what was it like um, moving out there to, to Rotterdam as well? Yeah, well, it came up, um, it's probably, I think it was a Monday night, about 10 o'clock at night, I just got a phone call saying um, Liverpool have accepted a bid and um, it was from Feyenoord and then it was 10 a.m. Wednesday morning, I'd already signed there, so everything came around quite quickly. Um, I heard it rumours that um, Dirk Howe, he, was, he worked with Feyenoord and obviously had the Liverpool links that he asked for a recommendation and my name got put forward, but I've never asked him directly about that, but that was um, a strong rumour that I heard. And yeah, Rotterdam, it's a really nice place to live, a uh, really nice city, um, good culture out there. So uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. But yeah, um, I'm happy to be back now. Talking of Feyenoord, is your contract with them up at the end of this season? Yeah, I'm free, in, free at the end of the season, yeah. Uh, this is a real showcase for you, that isn't it? The coming here. What was the football like in Holland compared to England? Was it more... Knocking the ball around, as well, compared to League One, shall we say, was it more cultured? Yeah, compared to League One, yeah, it was a lot, a lot more cultured. Yeah, it was um, just um, very tactical, very technical. You'd rarely see like balls spinning in behind and the strikers chasing it. It was all into the feet, um, just uh, pass and move. Yeah, it was a lot different. How many first team games did you get under your belt? I think I got one start and then came on another three. I think three or four. No. So we're not as many as I'd like, but still, it was a it was a really good experience. Excellent, excellent stuff. And Luke, um, before we started recording, we were talking a little bit of Emerson Boyson and the you know the uh, took you under his wing a little bit until when he first came to the club. Would you like to talk about that again, if it's okay? Yeah, no worries. When he first got involved in coaching, I think I was under sixteen. He was helping out um, Kieran, who's now the under 18s coach. And he was almost like an assistant, just come to the games, would do the warm up now and again. And I was, it was kind of like you know when some George would be like this when, say when Steve and Gerard would come to the training, you'd kind of like go and shake his hand and not speak, like not speak to him personally because you feel he's like a big role model and stuff. But it was, it was almost different with Boise. He would, he'd encourage you to come and speak to him, not even about football, just about anything, just about how you were doing, and he. he I don't know if he took a light to me or what it was, but I was just always talking to him about, it was just about like, it was just so easy. It wasn't just about football and I didn't feel nervous speaking to him and he, he'd have a laugh with me and a joke, a joke and stuff. And then um, when he left, when he left, I think it was when I was a first year, he left and um, he kept in contact with me. So uh, we just we talked sometimes, spoke to him the other day. He was telling me, about like I was all just talking to him about the game against I think the game before Atkinson, the Wimbledon game, just talking to him. And um he always tells me 
like what I'm doing well, what I'm not doing so well. And yeah, and um, he's doing, I'm not sure what it is, he's running for something and I was supporting him with it now. But yeah, um, I really like Boise. I um, like to see him come come down soon, yeah. Yeah, really good. But he spoke highly of you when I, when I was talking to him a couple of days ago and, and he said that he picked two players out from that crop and said you was one and, and Kyle... Joseph was the other, you know, and he said he he recommended. So he was what he were doing. He's trying to take all the credit for you getting through to the first team. <laughs> typical boy, say that. <laughs> typical. Cheers, Luke. No worries. Uh, so I mean, obviously, looking around at the moment, you can see that sort of, I guess, Merseyside in terms of developing players, young players. It's sort of the hotbed, and it has been sort of for the last sort of five or six years. Uh, there's there's some really obviously good players come through. Liverpool and Everton's academies and and obviously you know we've got a nice connection ourselves uh, obviously at Wigan from the Liverpool area so just first question to uh, George on that in terms of when you were sort of coming through the academy though who was the best player you played alongside in terms of academy football at, at, at Liverpool? Uh, well I had quite a good um, age group there's a lot of players in my age that, that still play now at good levels League One Championship and um, one like the biggest standout from my age group was Trent Alexander Arnold. So, yeah, I'd probably have to say him. He was probably the best. Obviously, he's, he's won the trophies he's won now. Okay, uh, and to you, Luke, in terms of obviously last last year we had games against you know top academies uh, under eighteen sides like obviously Man United and and Tottenham, Birmingham. I'm just wondering in terms of the players that you've played against at, at that kind of level, who, who would you say is the, the kind of been your toughest battle uh, so far, you know, in terms of who you've played played against? Or would you say it's somebody you've played against in the first team? When I came on against Sunderland, it, it wasn't for long. When I was watching him, Aidan McGeady, he looked like more than a handful, to be honest. And I know we've still got them to play, which is quite... Bit ironic, but yeah, he looked like a very good player personally. And um at like academy level, probably one of the strongest players I played against is Pal. I played at Liverpool, Pal Glatzel played up front for Liverpool in the under 18s youth cup. He just he could just do everything. He was just he was strong, quick, good with the ball, worked hard. He just didn't really know what his weakness was. He was he was just everywhere you went, he was there and he was playing he was playing striker. I was running forward with the ball and he was he was backtracking me from striker. He was just, he was the best. He's probably the best player I've played against. To be honest, you just couldn't get away from him. To be honest, yeah, he was really good. Just a quick one to you, George, as well. Was the best one you've played against? Um, probably Phil Foden. I think I've played against him quite quite a lot in my youth time, and um, obviously now he's gone on to be like one of the main players at Man City, especially this year. He's having a great season. So yeah, I'd probably say him. Yeah. You've picked out a couple of good ones there, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Phil Ford, so I'm sure they'll be starving in the Euros this year anyway. Uh, yeah. That's that's it for me. Thanks. George, coming back to, to you, obviously coming in on loan in uh, January, season's already in full flow and it, you have to hit the ground running. From from the, the lads who are there at the moment, who's really stood out from you uh, for you um, in terms of ability and uh, professionalism at the club? Well, when I first came in, it was, it was obviously quite difficult coming into a new changing room and then came on a Friday and playing, started against Fleetwood the next day. Um, so it, it's quite tough, but I, I think like the whole group, like professional-wise, they were just great, great towards me, integrated me, especially Jamie Jones. 
I think he like I'd only knew him a day, but it felt like I'd known him for much longer. But that I can't just say Jamie Jones, it's the whole group, they all they all come together, um, and welcoming you. And then on terms of um ability, I think the squad's blessed with a lot a lot of ability. I think uh, one of the best in training um that came was Will Keane. I think for for his size, his feet are just incredible. He go left foot, right foot. So yeah, I was really impressed by him when he came. Will Keane is obviously spent he spent time here before, but he's he's a good player, and I I personally think we've got a you know a great set of lads and enough to get us away from this wrong end of the table. Luke, I'm going to speak to you about a, a former teammate of yours who made a move in summer to ultimately help save uh, save the club. Really, the money that came in, Alfie Devine received uh, England call up at the age of 16 to the England under 19s what what does that say about the lad and is it the least he deserves yeah definitely um i remember alfie from when we were younger when i was under 16s and he was an under 14 he'd come from liverpool and he's obviously been a good player but i didn't i didn't no one there was other players that used to come up with us uh, even when under 70 even when um i was a first year he used to train with other players that were his age and he wasn't he wasn't I didn't really know who he was and then as soon as I turned into a second year second year of my scholarship and I was under 18 and he was in training with us coming out of school and I was like who, who's this lad he's, he's starting in pre-season for us and he was he just looked like he'd been with us the whole time like he had no fear he was his passing and his everything on the ball he, he looked so confident for such a young lad he was only 12, 15, I'm not sure, maybe younger. And then when we started playing in the league and then Youth Cup and he was starting for us, he just, that that shows that 15-year-old starting for another 18s in the Youth Cup just shows how good of a player he was and he still is. And then obviously he got that move to Tottenham, which, like you said, is the least he deserves. And now he's had a call-up, so he's doing really well. Yeah, he is. I'm going to get slated for this because I'm just going to jump on the back of it and Barry's going to he'll, he'll kill me later on. Um, but obviously, Jensen and Joffe and uh, Alfie have all gone to, to Premier League clubs. How how proud does it make you feel and that, that your mates have now made that step up and, you know, appearing on Premier League team sheets? Um, I remember watching Alfie play in the, the FA Cup and that that was something special. Uh, you know, against Marine, it's it, it's great to see, and it plays that for us players that have come from our academy, but for you, your mates, it must mean a lot to yourself as well. Yeah, it is. It is proud to see the players that you've been, you've come up with and you've played with, move on and um, go to a big big clubs, and not just be at big clubs, but that Joffy you've been on, been on the bench for a few times for Leeds in the in the Premier League, and I I just say Alfie. Um, scored in the FA Cup it's quite seems quite surreal how I was just playing with him a few years ago then he goes and scores in the FA Cup for for one of one of the best teams and when I watched the game and I see I seen him come on obviously he's a midfielder so I wasn't thinking anything of thinking and like he'd do much in terms of scoring I think it was like 6 nil at the time and then he scored and I was just it was just crazy I don't think he he, he understood what he'd done at the time because he was so he's so young still so young even Jensen, where uh, played with, I've known Jensen for a lot since I was like eight, nine. Used to play with him at Scotland, some Scotland camps, and um, he used to be a striker, Jensen. And then I'm not sure. I think uh, his dad 
his dad wants him to play a different position and then he moved down to midfield and obviously he's shown what he can do for for Wigan and England and now he's he's doing really well at Brighton. So yeah, he is proud. I am proud to um to see some players that I've played with and the the my mates after all the my mates and they've they've moved on, which is good. Yeah. George, are you enjoying it? Yeah, really enjoying it. Are you are you up for the battle? Yeah, definitely. It's what it's what I came here for to help help the club. Are we going to win the battle? Yeah, I I firmly believe so. Yeah, that's what we want to hear. Are you going to do some more of those DJ challenges? Uh, if I get the chance to, yeah, definitely. So <laughs> pity there's no crowd there to just. I mean, that will bring a a massive. Ooh, you know, <laughs> we will all be chanting your name after that. Um, so we're going to stay up. Yeah, I I firmly believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And you're definitely up for the for the fight. I can yeah, see that yeah. in your eyes. I mean, I'm looking <laughs> at you. People just hear your voice, but I can see it in your eyes. You're definitely up for it. We've loved having you here, you know, so far, and it's been brilliant. So the next 10 games, massive games coming up. A big one on Saturday. Obviously, we've got Paul Cook coming back. So that's going to add a little bit of extra spice to it. Are you fired up enough for that? Yeah, definitely. I'm highly motivated for every game we go into, but especially now the last 10, they're more important than ever. So, yeah, your anticipation and like your eagerness for the game just rises that little bit more. Fantastic. And, and Luke, are you ready for the battle? Yeah, definitely. Are you, are you confident we're going to win the battle? Yeah, 100%. I don't have any doubt that we're going to stay up and we're going to do it comfortably as well. Are you still under contract for next season? Yeah, I've got another year left next season. You can make a big statement stop keeping us in this division, can't you? I hope so, yeah. I'll do my best too, definitely. Well, you've been doing your best so far and we're all proud of you as well. And, and same with you, George. That's all Thank I wanted you. to say, that we're 100% behind you and we can Thank see you. you're fighting for us. Thank you. Yeah, and just as coming there, Barry, I'm, I'm up for the battle as well. <laughs> I've no further questions, but I'm definitely up for the battle and we will stay up. Tell you what, you've got away lightly if Adam's not got any further questions. Um, so before we, before we let you jump off and... Get some uh, well-earned rest before training again tomorrow. We- we'll go in and preview the Ipswich-, Ipswich game later on. We did it last week with the doc. He wouldn't give a prediction, uh, but I know Callum and uh, Dan Gardner did uh, the other week. Uh, George, how do you see the game going on Saturday? And can you give us a prediction? Yeah, um, two 0 win. Two 0 win. Yeah, you get the first, Luke the second. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, <laughs> and and same for you, Luke. I haven't scored yet, which is that's on my mind a lot. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say one nil. One nil. You say you haven't scored, but you you've in one second there because yeah, the, yeah. uh, just on the the left the left foot and the free kick, you're not you're not going to grab the ball off people who can do a Tom Pierce and curl one in the top corner. I would, but I haven't had one yet. I don't <laughs> actually think we've had a free kick. I don't think I can't. I can't. I think I'm, I don't know how many games we've played now, but. I haven't seen one free kick since Tom scored that one. So you're, you're ready to go when we get one? Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm <laughs> waiting for it's one. It's made for Saturday against uh, Paul Cook, who had a great left foot himself in his prime. So I just he'll enjoy it if you whack one in the top corner against him. <laughs> no, no, i tell you what, lads, if you keep us up, um, there'll be one thing to look forward to after uh, the season finishes. And that'll be a, a night out down King Street where you won't have to buy a drink and you'll see some daft sights as well. Um, Only in June, Simon, though. Yeah, well, we'll we'll still be here. I echo what everyone else says. You know, we're, 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 we're supporting you from home, fighting um, everything from home. 
just keep doing us proud on the pitch. And I'll, uh, I'll hand over to Barry for his uh, closing remarks. Thank you, Simon, for that. Just uh, re- really, really pleased that you came on tonight. Really grateful that you've given your time up. I think, Luke, it's past your bedtime now, isn't it? How old are you now, 18? 19. Oh, all right, you've got another hour yet, so you're all right. Uh, I must say, you took a couple of corners, haven't you, recently as well? Yeah, I took some on Saturday. Crackers, in swingers, loved them. They were, they were okay, yeah, apart from the first one. After that, they were good. I, yeah, we'll not, we'll not mention that one. <laughs> and, and George, uh, we had Dan Gardner on the other week, and apparently he uh, he, he plays his mixes coming back from uh, from games. And, and Callum Lang said they were quite good, but he had a twinkle in his eye when he said it. Are, are they as bad as what we all assume, or is it, are they is it good stuff? No, I think the lads quite enjoy them actually. <laughs> but, but yeah. Of course, be fair. What what sort of music is it? It's a bit like house, um, a bit like dance music. Bit of old school. Like, bit of old school. Yeah, some some old school in there. Yeah, some, ah. just stuff that gets you a bit fired up for the game. Excellent. That's what we want. Bit of old school. Thank you so much for that. Thank you very much, George and Luke. You've been brilliant. Thank you. No problem. Nice to speak to you. Yeah, Hopefully, thanks. we'll speak again next season when we're yeah. riding high in League One. Cheers. Nice one. See you later. Glad to see you. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Uh, Simon's had to leave us along with Luke and George so it's just me and Alan left are you, yeah, you doing Alan? I'll be smelling my armpits now they've all left <laughs> well I don't think they fancy giving uh, you know going through the uh, Ipswich preview with us but anyway that's up to us so we'll jump straight into that Ipswich town at the DW Stadium on Saturday and of course Paul Cook coming back to Wigan Something yeah. for us all to look forward to, Adam. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's a shame there's no fans there because I think no matter what, uh, and I know he had these battles with some fans over this time there, but I think by the end of his tenure, I think everyone was well behind him. Um, it would be nice to give him a welcome back and then give him a beating. You yeah. Know, that's, that's the way that you do it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. The referee, which is my favourite favorite spot, of the podcast, meet the ref. The referee is James Bell. He's a Sheffield-based official in his first season as a referee on the national list. Graduated from the National League last year, where he had just one season. He's previously worked as an assistant, commonly known as the Lino, and he's ran the line at championship level. He's refed us once this season, our goalless draw with Bristol Rovers at the DW Stadium. He's not at an Ipswich game yet. His card watch is 26 games, 71 yellows, seven reds, and he's awarded eight penalties. How many games, Barry, did you say? 26. Seven reds in 26 games? Yeah, seven reds in 26 games. When he initially refed us against Bristol Rovers, he'd 13 games. And did five reds by that stage. Oh, I think I remember. Yeah, that, it was ringing a bell when you said it. Then yeah. ringing a bell. Yeah, he's he's not he's known as Dingling to his mates. <laughs> James Jimmy Dingling Bell. Jimmy Bell is the referee for Saturday. Adam, have you spoken to someone from Ipswich? Yeah, I think it's now his fourth, uh, at least his fourth appearance on the podcast. Uh, Benjamin Bloom. Not Benjamin Button, as I called him originally, <laughs> on the uh, message. Yeah, Benjamin Bloom, quite an infamous uh, uh, Ipswich fan, um, and he's providing us with a really excellent preview this evening. 
Hello guys, thanks for having me back on the show ahead of this Paul Cook derby now between Wigan and Ipswich this coming weekend. Um, thoughts on the season so far? Well, it was very, very depressing and then all of a sudden it looked like there was a huge light at the end of the tunnel and now I think we might be sliding uh, back towards the reality of the situation we're actually in. So, of course, uh, the Paul Lambert era ended, then takeover talk and Paul Cook coming in. Ipswich fans are still scratching their head, trying to make sense of everything. And there's a little bit of a sense now that, as tends to happen with these things, the the accusing eye is now turned to the players. It often goes between the owner, the manager and the players. The owner's kind of out of the picture now because he's changed the manager. The manager's new, so ergo, um, a little bit of ire on the players after a couple of recent performances um, and defeats at Gillingham and Pompey. Um, Still fancying the playoffs, says the next question. Well... On the basis of the performances, they won't get into the playoffs. But there is still a sense that when you look at the running and the amount of bottom half teams still to play, that Ipswich could end up in the playoffs just by bullying their way through those last games and getting on a bit of a run there. That's the hope. Whether that can then carry you through three games against third place to other sixth place teams um, is a different matter. But you asked me about the playoffs, not about promotion. But there is still a chance looking at the run-ins. But it would be more a case of uh, a club with good resources by League One standards kind of bullying their way through rather than any particular amount of excellence. Uh, Was it right for Lambert to go? Yes, of course it was right for Lambert to go. Horrible, horrible situation at the club. Obviously, Evans, we think he was very close to actually selling up and that still sort of rumbles on in the background. But, yeah, Lambert had managed to fall out with everybody, players, fans, um, local press. He looked miserable. The football was miserable and... All the rose had come off the bloom and all the sort of excellent PR work he did at the start of his tenure just wasn't backed up with anything decent on the pitch. So a very poor job in the end done by Paul Lambert. Uh, My views on the Paul Cook appointment. Well, obviously you guys would know better than most what an excellent manager Paul Cook can be. So very, very excited to have him in. And we now really, really find out whether it's the club that's rotten or we've just had some bad managers. Um, there's certainly an argument given where Paul Jewell and Paul Hurst and Roy Keane, etc. Um, we'll see with Paul Lambert, have ended up after leaving Ipswich where they haven't had a career afterwards. Mick McCarthy, now that's different. So there is still the the, the kind of thought in our heads that a good manager can still do a good job and it is worth coming and working at Ipswich and Paul Cook obviously has thought that I thought he'd go back into the championship 
after the um, the brilliant run with Wigan at the end of last season and obviously the horrible administration stuff kind of took that all away from him and I don't need to tell you guys about that, do I? So, very excited. There hasn't been much sense so far that he's been able to imprint too much on the squad. However, this is the first time he's actually having a week with them on the training ground. We love his personality so far. You can tell we're still in the honeymoon period. Uh, We love his personality. We love his interviews. Let's hope he can produce something akin to what he did at Wigan and Pompey and Chesterfield before. Fingers crossed. Uh, Two key players to look out for. Well, frankly, Ipswich don't have anything up top if James Norwood doesn't play. Very, very light in that area. You guys will know that Paul Cook likes um, a, a main central striker and three off the front, doesn't he? If Norwood is there and playing well, that has a disproportionately large effect on the rest of the team attacking-wise. So look out for Norwood. And after seemingly being on the sidelines for an eternally long period, came Vincent Young, returned to the squad last week. He will be a perfect fullback in the um, Anthony Robinson, uh, Reese James, Nathan Byrne type mould that Paul Cook has had before, Ender Stevens, and we hope he stays fit and gets in to the team and gets a run. Uh, Favourite ever Ipswich v Wigan match? Well, this matchup has provided maybe one of the best and one of the worst fixtures I've ever seen. Don't know if you remember the 1-0 win for Ipswich in the 18-19 season, a rare win for Ipswich where it absolutely battered it down with rain. One of the worst games of football I've seen, although Reese James was outstanding for Wigan in that game. But I remember a Freddie Sears shot dribbling through. Um, I, I likened it to the Hunger Games rather than the football match on my uh, review afterwards. The best one is obviously the 2004, where Leighton Baines scores the wonder goal. And Ipswich make the comeback and Darren Bent lobs in that spectacular winner uh, late, late, late in the game. And Ipswich are top at Christmas. And we won't talk about how that season ended. Um, Score prediction for this one. I think Ipswich can nick this one. I'm never very often optimistic. They've had a rest. They've had a week with Cook. And I think Ipswich by one. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, check out our review on the Blue Monday podcast at Blue Monday OTFC. And all of my championship stuff and my football channel is the Benjamin Bloom Football Channel on YouTube. Mm, an infamous Ipswich fan. I suppose he'd sooner be a famous than an yeah. infamous one. Yeah. Don't resist think, a bit of Alan Partridge there, sorry. No, no, I just kind of saying it through the... I think he was quite openly critical of the well he's openly critical of the regime but also the the previous manager who was there as well um I mean he talks a lot he talks a lot of sense he knows his stuff he knows he knows football he knows the division well um you know he knows us as well um and he, he quite he said I'm not really going to say much about Paul Cook because you Latics fans will know a lot more than me but he said based on his records at Wigan, Portsmouth, Chesterfield, 
Uh, and he also was talking about attacking fullbacks. And I thought his, you know, his research there was good, you know, going back to even Ender Stevens at um, Chesterfield. And then obviously thinking back, how many good attacking fullbacks did we have under Paul Cook? Really, you know, you got Nathan Byrne, uh, Reese James, um, Anthony Robinson. He signed Tom Pierce, who was another one. I mean, even you'd probably even say Callum Elder. Elder really was more attacking, wasn't he? Than defensive mm-hmm. player. He scored an FA Cup goal for us. I remember in our live broadcast. Yes, yes. Yeah, so uh yeah, thanks, thanks, Ben, for that. We've previously played Ipswich 16 times. We've won six, drawn three, and lost seven of those. But we've not beaten them in the last seven meetings. We're on a bit of a, uh, a sticky run at the moment. The last time we beat them was in 2013. 2-1? Uh, don't know. Don't I know. Was, I think it was 2-1. Um, yeah, it was at home. We beat them 2-1. I don't know if we beat them away that year as well. I can't remember. Yeah, didn't we beat them 3-1 down at Portman Road? James McLean scored twice. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And uh, Leon Barnett. They took an early lead and, and we came back uh, when uh, Rosler were manager. I know the times I've been on this podcast and we've talked it, which you always go back to that game when it was foggy and there were a dodgy penalty. You are, you've mentioned that a couple of times since. I don't think you've ever got over that. Was it that... Yeah. Two defeats on the Warren Joyce, was it? Yeah, Brett Pittman, yeah. Dan Byrne. But yeah, and the referee was that idiot. I'm not even going to say his name. Yeah. Little yeah. idiot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he were a yard outside the box, weren't he? And it weren't even a foul, but. We've not really done very well against him. But I do, we've got fond memories that, of, as you said, we've got some wins. And I remember that 1 0 win when we were both fighting for the. Second promotion spot where we're behind Sunderland and was it Ellington did one of his usual uh, just walk up slotting in corner penalties are easy. I don't know why everyone else can't do it like that. <laughs> yeah, um, the form's not very good at the moment, is it? They've uh, the last five are lost, drawn, won, and then they've lost the last two. Uh, I think they won the first one under Paul Coote and then and then lost two on the bounce. Yeah, it's. Um... I don't know, it's it's odd really, because you sometimes get a bounce with it, but I don't think this bounce anymore is the same as what it used to be. I don't know whether it whether part of it, this bounce, is the fans getting excited by it, maybe a bit as well. You know, if a if a new manager comes in, the fans get excited and it gives you a bounce in that way. Because I mean, even look at like Joey Barton. I mean, there's not really been any bounce as such at Bristol Rovers, has there really? Um I don't know. It's an odd one, really, because I thought at the start of the season they'd be up there. I thought when we played them, um, we didn't deserve anything down there, did we, really? Um, but it was a patchwork put-together team when it at the last minute, basically. Um, yeah, it, it was it was tough down there, but I thought they'd be top three or four. They might get in the top six, but I don't... My view is that I don't think Paul Cook would be too disappointed if they stayed down this season. Um, no, but I'll be honest with you, I hope they put a bit, bit of a fight up because the last 10 games, seven of them are against you know teams in the bottom six because they got Wimbledon twice and they play us, Northampton, Swindon, 
Bristol Rovers, Wimbledon and Rochdale. So they're playing all the teams down there. So, you know, if 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 by hook or by crook they can lose to us and then win all the rest, I'll be, I'll be very happy. Yeah, well, maybe we need, because, uh, you know, Latics have shown it themselves, you know, when if you remember when Latics lost 9-1, uh, they won the next game and then we went on a decent run. So maybe if we could stuff them 9-1, and then it's until then win every other game left this season, and and we'll only have to win three or four because they'll be they'll be winning all the matches for us. <laughs> let's hope so. Let's hope so. Right. Let's let's have a look at our team for Saturday. Uh, obviously, we've got a little bit of a selection headache. I think Massey and Vid Solomon Ottawa look like they're both going to be missing. You know, Massey's been called out for the season, and and Viv has has been told he's going to be out for most of the season. And Curtis Tilt is away on international duty and Tendai Doriqua as well, I believe. So we're missing two defenders and two creative players. I I read somewhere, I don't know if it's true, that something about because of the quarantine rules coming back from wherever he was going, he wasn't sure whether he's going to make the trip. But I don't know whether that's a definitive or not. Um, Because obviously... That's the problem at the moment with any player who travels abroad. Did he have to then come back and quarantine, or have they got a sporting exemption? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Dorico would be going off to Zimbabwe, wouldn't he? So he's going to Africa. Southern Africa's got got it quite bad at the moment. So I don't know. I've no yeah. idea. Well, I suppose we work on. Let's work on the assumption that they're not available. Yeah. Um, then you've you've obviously got Watson, who's he's he's down as your centre half with. Obviously, George would play there, I suspect. Uh, and then fullbacks, right fullback's going to be. Um, Whelan. Whelan, yeah. That's what he is. He's a right fullback, isn't he? Yeah, he's a right fullback who can play centre half if he needs to, but he's better at right back, I think. And, and he also played for the under 23s this week as well. Yeah, so a that, that, that's a bit of a hint, isn't it? And yeah. then obviously, Luke at left back, your midfield. I, t- I don't know about you. I thought it's difficult when we're previewing it with the players because they're not they're not going to go on record, are they, and start talking about midfield and everything. But I, I I don't know what happened. Whether the players just didn't have good games or whether there weren't enough of them in midfield. I just thought that it was very anonymous their midfield, and the only time they got the ball, they seemed to give it away on Saturday. But, yeah, I thought Evans and Ojo, who were superb the week before were both kind of anonymous, really, for me. They didn't really do anything positive in the game. Um, But when when you look at that game, when you analyse it, you look at the state of the pitch, now people say, yeah, it's the same for both sides. And I think it were. Both teams were playing the ball over the top. Both teams were missing the midfield out. Because I saw um, Evans try a pass at one point, and it was like the ball was on remote control and somebody was (laughs) making it go either and everywhere. It wasn't running at all. Now, maybe... It it was that bad as that. There was one good pass in the game, and it was Dan Gardner to Callum Lang right at the start. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then after that, but even then, when Lang got on that ball, it bobbled. It yeah. bobbled under his foot, and he nearly fell over, didn't he? Trying to steady himself. Uh, and when you think of their goals, their goals come from set pieces. So maybe, maybe, maybe it was just the pitch. It, it looked awful. It looked, it looked like a. Like a park pitch, what's what's had no water on it. You come out of a winter and you've got a park pitch there and it's dry as a bone and it's bobbly and full of divots. That's what it looked like. Yeah. 
I'd go with the four, though, would you, at the back? I won't go back to the five. Yeah, go with, I think we have to go with the four I for this game. Yeah. Go with, uh, so it'd be Ojo, Evans, and I, I'd be tempted to put Asgard back in. 100%. 100% yeah, in, and then, and then I'd probably keep Proctor. I'd have Wang maybe a bit deeper, and mm. then... Either Gardner or Dordu. Yeah, one or the other, yeah. But I do think that it's a game that, you know, I think Asgard's, you know, I think it's the pit. Is it me or is the pitch seem to have been improving at Wigan in the last few weeks? Well, yeah, it's, it seems like it's it's got a bit of colour back into it, doesn't it? Yeah, because the, the, I mean, Asgard is obviously a player. He, like, he likes to dribble with the ball. And obviously, if, if you're on a, an horrible pitch, it's not really not really his surface, but I think he's been very unlucky not to be playing, although he's clearly somebody you wouldn't want to play every game because he'll probably break down if he does, unfortunately. So so I think it might be a nice time to bring him back in on Saturday. Um and but even Will Keane, you could go you could go Keane, uh, Lang and Proctor. Uh, and and um, and, and bring, still bring Asgard in as that more sort of forward-thinking midfielder. You still got Evans and um, Audio. You can sit a bit deeper, haven't you? Yeah. So we've got different permutations. I think the defense sorts itself out. Two midfields in Evans. Well, and... there's, one, there's only one flying. If he does really want to keep that formation, uh, I guess his option is he could bring back in um, Adam Long. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know whether he will keep it on. I mean, I think Long's been unlucky, hasn't he? Really, because I, I think he's, he's definitely a good player for me. Long, I think he's there's something about him. He's still a bit naive for a centre back, but there's something about him. He looks like he's got a bit about him class wise. I think so. Um, but maybe this isn't the time to throw him in now. But I think he'll be on the bench, won't he? Yeah, Saturday. well, he was on the bench on Saturday, so I should imagine. Yeah, I mean that. That that is another option again. So Clough played as well, didn't he, in the twenty threes? It's odd, isn't it? Really, you know, a player that I know he come from our rivals, but he looked like he was going to be a really good player. Mm. You know, he signed for Forest when they were signing very good players, and he's just done nothing since then, has he? You know, it's really it's odd how these this, it happens to some players. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, pity, pity he's not doing it for us. Anyway, let's have a prediction before we shut down for the evening. I'm going to go 2 1 Wigan. I'm most confident. Uh, I, I'm going to go for the draw. I'm going to go for one apiece. I'll take the draw, though. Yeah. I, I, would take the, I would take the draw in this. I think, I don't know what you think, but I don't. At the moment, we don't seem to be getting those points. You know, at times where you just think, pick up a point, get out of there, get a point. Um, you know, we haven't got many draws this season, have we? So I mean, off the top of my head, we've not we, we, we've had we've had the odd we've had the odd nil nil, haven't we? And obviously we had that. I just thought that three three the Rochdale isn't costly at the end of the season because we ten men leading as well going into the last minute. Yeah, well we've had seven seven draws this season, so yeah, and nine know, victories. A couple of them we've had a few narrow defeats with late winners. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so tight there. Know, if a couple of them could have been draws. You know, we're, we're out of the bottom bottom four and it is a bit... I'm not too downbeat about it, but there are sides who are showing a bit of form down there, aren't there, at the moment? Like Northampton's not. Northampton's got a win. 
Uh, obviously, Rochdale will fight. Well, they're all fighting, aren't they? You expect yeah. that, don't you? Another four wins will keep us up for me. This should give us another 12 points. The teams play I, each I, other. I was, I, was, I was working it out the other day. I was thinking 13, 14 points, maybe. So it's like it could be a five wins off, you know, four wins and a four wins maybe in a point. But it also depends who we beat, I think. Yeah, I mean, it depends. Depends what the other teams do as well. Yeah, but obviously, if you're going to take, if you're going to say no, which teams do you want? You want to beat everybody, obviously, but you want to look at the teams that you really want to beat. And obviously, you put Swindon in that category, don't you? You know, that's that's going to be a big one. Is there another one as well? I'm sure there's another one. Oh, well, there's no. Burton, isn't there? But you're probably out of it, Burton, aren't they? They've been dragged a bit back in, possibly, possibly, but that's. Probably think they've just about got enough. Well, yeah, they've seven points on us, Burton. So it's, uh, but we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. I think the right, just concentrate on ourselves, get as many points as we can, and the rest will take care of itself. Well, I think we'll knock it on the head there, Adam. It's been a, a an interesting podcast this evening. It's been good. I'd like to say thank you to both Luke Robinson and George Johnson. I thought they were a very good guests, and yeah. obviously to to. Yourself, myself, and Adam as and Simon as well. Thanks, thanks to Ash, Ash for getting helping us out, getting these uh, excellent guests on the show, top yeah. top quality guests on the PWU. As always, as always. With that, it's a it's a good good night from me. Good night from me. Up the ticks.